Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, that was quick. Time to record again. This was not something that anyone remotely saw coming, especially after Gerald Morey assured us all that Chris Paul would start the season on the Houston Rockets. But uh, I'm sure he would point to a material change in circumstances there. What do we got, Danny? Russell Westbrook, for the first time in his career, is no longer a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He is being traded to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul and two first-round picks in 24 and 26. Each of those is protected one through four, and then pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. Yeah, the, the pick swap in 2021 is lottery protected one through four. The 2025 one is more interesting, seems less likely to convey because it's protected 1 through 20. So really the only circumstances in which that would convey is if both OKC and Houston are both picking between 21 to 30 and OKC has a slightly worse record than Houston. Who knows, by 2025, they uh, could be pretty darn good. Not so sure Houston's going to be any good in 2025. But in any event, this is definitely more from OKC's standpoint, then it seemed like they could get for Westbrook. Some were saying it was an inevitability that he would get moved to Miami, but with Miami out two future first-round picks, Miami having their own salary that's bad but shorter that they could send back, and also the hard cap issues as well, where they couldn't offer to save OKC much money, at least in the short term, where they're trying to get out of the repeater tax this year. And, you know, it seemed Miami was like, well, you don't have anything else. Why are we going to offer so much here? Westbrook is a bad contract, owed $170 million over the next four years. Who else are you going to trade him to? Well, the answer was the Houston Rockets. And I think the place to start with here, we can talk about OKC a little bit more later on, is the basketball fit of Westbrook in Houston because they are trading for a contract that is not great. They are getting off of a contract that is equally not great. Westbrook, I don't know, maybe that's the place to start, Danny, is just, so maybe not the basketball fit, is just, would you consider Russell Westbrook a better asset than Chris Paul? Certainly the league does, uh, but would you consider it with them having identical contracts except Westbrook has one more year at a player option he's eh, likely to pick up at $47 million, whereas Paul has... A- three more years left on his deal with a player option in the last year of his deal overall you know and and there are differences in circumstance here for different teams but i would i would say that westbrook is a more negative asset to me than chris paul is because of that extra year westbrook had a better 18 19 season than chris paul he is also younger than chris paul but having a player option worth 47.1 million dollars for 2022-23 is pretty daunting and the other reason why i would rather have paul on his contract than Westbrook on his is because 
of the versatility of them as basketball players. And this will bridge into the other part of it because Russell Westbrook makes teams Russell Westbrook E. You know, like he he is a definitive player. It is almost impossible to imagine him being anything other than that because he is ball dominant and be- as a largely non-shooter, he cannot thrive. Honestly, I'm genuinely unsure how he will function at this stage in his career playing more off ball. Whereas Chris Paul, he can shoot. He is, you know, he can the way he approaches the game is fundamentally different. And so there are teams where I would prefer Russell Westbrook, you know, where a team that needs a floor raised. Whereas Chris Paul Paul, I think he's a better fit around elite talent, which makes this trade so fascinating. Yeah, I think it's really a, an interesting question of whether this is an upgrade for Houston when it's all said and done. And I do think that part of why Westbrook, obviously, despite being younger, has a more value, even despite that ugly looking extra year. And despite the fact that, that he's a tougher fit, it's just there are more teams that in theory could use him as that floor raiser type of player to have a star, a former MVP. It was only two years ago that he he won MVP, but we talked about this uh, on what was that two days ago that we recorded the but the pod that came out today that Westbrook doesn't make as much sense because of those limitations you mentioned for a team trying to win at the highest levels and that uh, of course it is the Houston Rockets but you'd say with Westbrook being 30 he's not going to decline as quickly as Paul and also he just plays a lot more as well that's another reason why Westbrook probably has more value than Paul at this point I mean Paul is probably going to play 50 or 60 games he has these recurring hamstring issues but I do think that and we'll have to see how it plays out i'm not at all 100 percent sure of this and perhaps paul just you know is going to continue to decline it and this will seem like a completely silly question but they might at least for this season the rockets have had a higher ceiling with chris paul out there i think chris paul even in his old age is a better defender than westbrook he's just smarter he's still pretty tough Westbrook if you had to say who's who's better to guard someone one-on-one when they're really locked in okay maybe you'd say Westbrook but Westbrook doesn't get over a screen he loses guys off the ball at times he just puts his hands on his knees and rests for like crucial possessions at the end of games whether he's because he's tired or just doesn't have the discipline uh or hasn't been held accountable or, or whatever it is and you mentioned the fit issues with Harden now when Westbrook's in the game we already saw this starting to happen when Paul George was trying to operate in OKC teams just didn't guard Russell Westbrook when he didn't have the ball in the pruner and Westbrook not known for his cutting I don't expect that the current offensive ethos in Houston is going to change that because James Harden kind of has the exact same issue when he's not actually involved in the play he's just standing out near half court Harden the last two years maybe the most efficient regular season ISO player that we've seen with that step back three with his ability to get to the basket now with the Westbrook a guy that you don't need to guard maybe he'll improve as a spot-up shooter in a different ecosystem in Houston but certainly the track record does not support that so now Harden is not going to have that space they have always put one center and then three guys that you have to respect to the three-point line around Harden almost exclusively since D'Antoni got there and so I don't think Harden can be quite as efficient with Westbrook out there the way Paul could I mean Westbrook actually takes a lot of spot up threes but you know he KP had this in his piece shoots 33% on those and Chris Paul shot 45% on spot up three-pointers so this might be it's a talent upgrade it may just be that Chris Paul is just going to totally deteriorate by the end of this year and certainly two years from now or three years from now uh 
But I don't necessarily think that this makes them better. And it might make them a better regular season team just because Westbrook's more likely to play more games than Paul and more minutes. But I don't think this necessarily makes them better at the end of the season when Chris Paul was healthy, if he were in fact healthy. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I like the way that you talked about Westbrook when Harden has the ball. But I'm actually more concerned about the flip side of that coin, which is James Harden is either the single best or in the conversation for the best offensive player in the in the world right now. And any reduction of possessions for him with the ball in his hands is largely going to make the Rockets a worse offensive team. So not only are you potentially weakening the hardened possessions by having Westbrook on the floor, affecting their spacing, all that kind of fun stuff, you're also potentially reducing it. Now, there could be ancillary benefits there of just Harden having more tread on his tires later in the season because he won't have to do the workload. I also expect that this will significantly weaken Harden's MVP chances because not only does he have the perception of an MVP caliber player, but I think he's going, I think his usage rate is going to drop. Not maybe not a ton, but a little bit. And so all of that kind of fits into this a little bit. And I, I'm worried that just because the idea of whether Tiger can change his stripes is just that there will be times when not that Westbrook is freezing Harden out, but he just wants the ball in his hands and Westbrook initiating obsession is generally meaningfully worse than James Harden doing the same thing yeah well we've got lots more to say about this you know who else has a lot more to say about this is the athletic back as a sponsor they are Danny's employer you're gonna write something about this piece or about this trade right absolutely and uh, Sam Amick is going to have something as well. Kelly Eco is really plugged in with uh, the Rockets, uh, especially taking the temperatures of the guys uh, on that team. You know, he's going to have a piece out shortly uh, as well. The Athletic is just, to me, the best site out there for sports content whatever sport you are interested in and that's because of their subscription-based model it's only $2.99 a month when you go to the athletic.com slash cap space and get a yearly subscription at the 40% off deal that they're offering right now so again the athletic.com slash cap space is that url and what being subscription allows it to do is providing smarter coverage everyone who works for the athletic danny i mean you you feel this way right i mean you get to just write what you think is interesting right i do and i also get to collaborate with some amazing people and this could end up being an example of that and some of that goes on behind the scenes but some of it turns into actual pieces too which is fantastic we can have collaborative reporting and planning and all that kind of stuff which readers subscribers really do benefit from yeah so it's not i mean if you compare and you you look for example of how many people came over from working for newspapers to go to the athletic and all of them that I've talked to, the reason that they wanted to do that was because the newspaper model ad-based was just grinding people down and they just never had enough ad revenue. The sports section's revenue was having to prop up these other portions of the paper that didn't make any, any money. And so what that meant is just get as many posts up there. Oh, if a uh, guy's going to be out for two games with a knee bruise, all right, we need, we need a newser on that. Three paragraphs that regurgitates the, the press release. Oh, Steve Kerr said this guy wasn't playing in the pregame presser. Hey, make sure you get something out before the game. That is just doesn't add any value. It just uh, anyone could do these type of posts that the newspaper wanted. And so that's why The Athletic is different. The Athletic lets writers 
actually add some value with their sourcing with their analysis and for anyone who's not just an ultra casual fan the athletic gives you just a much better look at what's going on with your teams and of course the, the national scene as well whether it's Sean Sharania, David Aldridge, Sam Amick, baseball, Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, football, they got Jay Glazer, Stuart Mandel, college football. So again, the way to get started with The Athletic, theathletic.com slash capspace, get 40% off a yearly subscription, a mere $2.99 per month. Theathletic.com slash capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL. Let them know that you came from us so we can get some credit. I think there is certainly a flip side to this coin though and ways that this could work out. Oklahoma City for years has had this stagnant offense. Russell Westbrook has been the one most blamed for that. On the other hand, they always, always, always don't have enough shooting on that team. They really have never given Russell Westbrook a chance to just run, spread, pick, and roll. And I mean, I would love to see him in this Houston system like three, four years ago. I think it would be unbelievable. But you know, Westbrook didn't have as much ability to get to the rim last year. You know, that's waiting for him for sure. And his mid-range jumper has abandoned him. He had to go to that mid-ranger more often. In Houston, he's probably going to not take that mid-ranger any longer unless it's you know end of the clock type of thing or, or he's hitting it really well but with his finishing ability declining a little bit maybe you could say well he still can get to the basket and we're going to have space for him to do that now so he can really put pressure on the rim and he's going to actually be able to be much more efficient that's the, the case for it the other case is well now he actually gives houston a transition element they've always been one of the slowest teams in the league but they have all these three-point shooters they space the floor capella can run the floor and russell westbrook with all of his rebounding is a, a one-man fast break let them get some easy points in transition He'll help their defensive rebounding problems a lot as well. And, you know, you could very easily see him having the most efficient true shooting percentage of his career. I mean, he basically up until the last two years has always been, you know, since he got in his prime, you know, right around league average true shooting percentage. And you might say, you know, and that was with Kitty, without Kitty, whatever. And so you'd say, oh, he's just, he generates a ton of shots. They're not that efficient, but he still generates these shots and, and he's going to be around league average. I'm very interested to see whether in Houston that can finally change and he can grow more efficient or whether he's going to kind of be the same level of efficiency that he was in OKC. I mean, he's going to have way more offensive tools at his disposal to succeed and maybe we will find out i don't know if i buy this but maybe we'll find out that it was the okc offense and more importantly just the lack of spacing around him that led to some of his issues with inefficiency along those lines i'm really excited to see if the change in scenery affects Westbrook's mentality at all. I mean, he he has been able. I mean, we wondered after the Durant departure where where the team would go, where the Rockets' philosophy would go, and it became this rust centric team. And then then it shifted a little bit with Paul George and what and some of that I think is due to, to to Westbrook's physical adjustments. You know, getting older and everything like that. It is entirely possible that Russ, you know, that he can't change that much. But if Westbrook can embrace at least some of what D'Antoni, the the changes that D'Antoni is going to want to implement into his shot selection as you said i think that could could be transformational and also the rockets were really effective last year when chris paul played and james harden did not they actually had a plus using cleaning the glasses filters they had a plus 8.1 net rating but a lot of that was on the defensive end they were about a league average offense with paul and that's there's no shame in being a league average offense with with chris paul and nobody else on the floor i mean that that's pretty good for when your mvp candidate is is not on the floor but maybe russ can can elevate those lineups or at least maybe give d'antoni enough cover to use them a little bit more often i talked about workload before when those guys shared the floor 
but I also think maybe Harden can play a little bit fewer minutes. That'll depend on what Harden wants to do and everything like that. And I also think that the Rockets are not going to be in as much trouble if, let's say, Harden has one of those, you know, like five to 10 game injuries that takes him out. A Russ team and a Harden team are not the same thing, but I do think that he is more capable of being that dominant figure than Chris Paul was or more accurately is. Yeah, and maybe they'll feel more able to reduce Harden's minutes now, even maybe reduce Harden's game played. Now, Russ turning 31 and coming off uh, another knee procedure uh, with that troublesome knee that he first injured uh, back in that Patrick Beverly dust up uh, in 2013. Maybe they'll want to keep him on that plan as well. But they also have Eric Gordon uh, as another guy who can create. So they'll they'll have plenty of creation. Gordon is a good transition player. I think he could thrive pretty well uh, with Russ uh, pushing the ball also. Defensively, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think Chris Paul was a very important part of Houston's defense uh, when they really were at their nadir last year. He was not playing. So uh, I think that uh, was a big part of it. I mean, you think a six foot, 33, 34 year old point guard, like what effect did he have? But he's just always statistically uh, has been very good in terms of the on off effect uh, of when he's on the floor. Good steals guy. Westbrook, massively overrated. He, he comically called himself the best defender at his position uh, at one point uh, a year ago. And that is not the case. He's totally inattentive. He doesn't get over a screen. Now you would imagine that they're going to go back to doing a lot of switching. They already pretty much switch every screen that Harden is involved in maybe they do that with Westbrook as well two three years ago you know Westbrook was really like a fire breather in the post and just refused to be posted up and now he's kind of he'll kind of go for the steal more easily and he's not the same guy in the post maybe he can get back to that type of level with his strength and athleticism and the intensity that he can bring at times but you imagine they'll probably just be getting back to doing more switching I think part of why they didn't do that as much last year number one was the rebounding but number two was just to save Paul's legs for the postseason and they did get back to switching pretty much everything again against Golden State so it'd be interesting to see what effect he has defensively I do think he's going to help the rebounding even if you know he does certainly rebound chase and that brings me into another point here personality wise obviously Russ and Harden have changed it quite a bit since 2012 Russ it's well known kind of just has his way of the place in OKC whether it's the media stuff whether it's all you guys box out and I'm the one going to get the rebound, which, you know, again, I think had some competitive advantages because he could get the rebound and push the ball afterwards. But definitely him averaging a triple double was uh, part of the deal there. Uh, and the whole organization revolved around him. And I don't know that that happened. Supposedly, Russ and Harden wanted to get together. Of course, uh, Harden recruited Chris Paul and brought him in. And that uh, ended in uh, ignominious fashion here. So, I don't know what to think of this. I, I definitely think the Rockets are better two and three years from now, and especially in the regular season. I mean, I think their median outcome is much higher over the next three seasons. I'm not sure if it increases their chances of hitting a championship. The other thing that KP noted, what do you think of this idea that this is kind of just money laundering the Chris Paul contract that if they wanted to just trade Chris Paul into space, that it would have taken more than what they gave up to do that. And that if they need to move Westbrook again, he'll still have positive value. I'm not sure if he flames out in Houston to the point where they need to move him, that he'll have positive value anymore. But you know that clearly Westbrook has more trade value than Paul. I, I don't know if I buy that notion, but what do you think of it? It's an interesting concept. 
this is definitely the easiest way for Maury or for any GM that wanted to trade Chris Paul to get away with it without not taking the hit of trading Chris Paul, despite everything that was said earlier. You know, so whether it's money laundering, you think about it from the financial perspective or from the PR perspective that, you know, Chris Paul, long-term part of the team, oh, but we can get Russell Westbrook. He's a recent MVP, the connection with with Harden in Oklahoma City and everything else. So yeah, I, I think that there's, there's some merit to it. There's also the upside potential here. I mean, both of us are lower on on Westbrook and especially where his game is going to go than the average person. But we both acknowledge the upside of this, that it's, you know, that that they could defy conventions, that they're, you know, Harden and Westbrook are both immensely talented players. This could work out. Maybe D'Antoni revitalizes his Westbrook's career. So yeah, I, I think that this is an arguable enough thing. And it seems pretty clear that even though you and I feel a certain way about Russell Westbrook's contract, that that is not as true. And I firmly believe that, as you said, absent the, the downside risk, like an injury or it just totally flaming out, that Westbrook will probably still have higher value than Chris Paul a year from now. Now, it is worth noting, Oklahoma City gave up a lot on that bet. You know, they, they gave up those first round picks and, and then the pick swaps and everything else that's involved. So just saying it's a distinct possibility or even a likelihood that Westbrook has more value, he has to have a lot more value in order to make that part of it worth it. And I think that gets into another wrinkle of this that might end up leading to us having to record again, which is now Chris Paul is returning to Oklahoma City, actually where he started his career because those first well, two... Well, I, can, can I... I have another, one more point on Houston before sure, of we course. transition into OKC. So let's go through the these obligations again the protected one through four pick swap in 2021 if james harden is on houston at that point and not injured pretty unlikely you would think with okc in a rebuilding mode and especially if chris paul is still on their books either by a buyout or just still on the team the latter seeming rather unlikely at this point but pretty unlikely that swap happened we already talked about the 2025 basically not going to happen unless they're both picking 21 to 30 and okc's pick is better than houston pretty unlikely there so you you can kind of throw out those swaps. You never know what could happen in 2021, but that's that's only two drafts away. That's uh, that's not so far beyond the horizon. The other two picks here, 2024 protected one through four, 2026 protected one through four. The one through four, of course, is because those are the four slots that at least as of now you draw in the lottery. And also worth noting, what's the other thing that Houston took on here? They took on $47 million worth of salary for four seasons from now. Daryl Morey has always been about maximizing a championship, being very aggressive, bringing stars together. He's largely had success with that approach. Although there has been certainly with James Harden in his prime, it's the best player they've had since the McGrady and Yao days, and Harden's better than either of those guys were ever in Houston. So there's been an effort really since 2015 or so to push the chips all in. And, you know, I mean, when's the last time they drafted someone in in the first round? I mean, they got Sam Decker with the Omer Oshik trade. He was gone pretty quickly. And in that Chris Paul deal, Clint Capella is basically the last draft pick they've had who's made any kind of an impact. They've had some fines like House and stuff on the margins. So this is kind of a continuation of that trend, the Chris Paul trade. The Chris Paul contract was also a continuation of that trend. But I also can't help but wonder if Daryl Morey thinks he's going to be around to pay the negative consequences of this trade, whether it's the additional year of Westbrook's salary or whether it's uh, those two picks going out because with the way Tillman Fertitta has taken over he hasn't had the commitment to spending uh, that I don't want to say that Les Alexander did because he didn't pay the luxury tax that much you know who knows maybe Les Alexander would have been the same way but Fertitta has not necessarily been spending at a level commensurate with a championship contender in the one year really that he's kind of had full control of things uh, where they ducked the tax last year and didn't use a lot of the team building we have to regurgitate all that and 
just some of the weird comments that Fertitta makes and like even just the the public comments like oh well if we're not making the playoffs I gotta find a new GM you know like that kind of thing uh his long rambling press conference about not having made the Western Conference Finals and how unacceptable it was they lost to Golden State and then this whole deal the back and forth with Warren Legary Mike D'Antoni's agent and you know whether that's Daryl or whether it's Fertitta it seems like pretty clear that it's Fertitta he had another weird press conference about that so it wouldn't shock me if Daryl is just like you know what I want to try and win a championship now we got James Harden and hey you know what once James Harden is out of his prime I'm not going to work for this damn guy anyway so uh and I've, I've got enough of a resume that I'm going to get hired even if I kind of screw the franchise over going forward with these picks that's not going to affect my marketability going forward and uh I'll just leave you with this Tillman for today enjoy it and I think that's the parallel with the potential of a Chris Paul trade because the team that Sam Amick has has done a little bit on this already is that the team that might be most interested in Chris Paul is Miami and Pat Riley for a very different reason is in that same boat and you know the the Jimmy Butler trade we talked about our skepticism of that and whether that makes the heat better and I think Chris Paul is a better fit with the heat than Butler the same concerns that were there with Miami being hard capped are there because Westbrook and Paul make the same money but Oklahoma City is in a very different place you know, to, to make to maybe make this sort of a move than they would have been with Russell Westbrook, franchise cornerstone, everything else. So maybe that doesn't happen tomorrow. Maybe it maybe it's midseason or something else. Maybe it does happen tomorrow. This is the NBA now. That's just the way it works. And I think that the Thunder could benefit from Chris Paul being a name and being a player who can fit. And so they can continue to overhaul this. And so the the difference between Paul and Westbrook's contracts going all the way out into 22-23, maybe that won't matter as much, but maybe the, we talked about PR with trading Westbrook for Paul, maybe there's some with Paul as well. Yeah, I'm really interested to see, you know, Sam Amick is saying, oh, it's uh, OKC's idea to keep Paul around well you know you got the same issues with Shea Gilgis Alexander already that you did with Westbrook where he's the future at point guard a little easier for those two guys to play together uh I mean it, I don't see like a Paul buyout happening to you I mean that's just no there's, there's too much money too left. too much money left right I, I mean I don't know how much do you think he would give back I mean, if he's willing to give enough back, maybe they would do it. But and, he, and they, he's, but, but that would be a yeah. straight financial sacrifice in all likelihood for him because it's hard to see, especially with the teams that are interested in Paul, them having the financial capacity to spend a ton of money on him, at least right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I mean, in the place, I mean, maybe he just wants to win a championship. Maybe he just wants to get to L.A. And I mean, L.A. sure as hell could use him. Uh, the, the L.A. Lakers, I should say, not the Clippers. But I mean, they desperately need, he would fit in really well there. He wouldn't have to be the number one option, wouldn't have to do that much in the regular season. But I mean, him with Anthony Davis would be an unbelievable fit they got shooting around I mean that if they could figure out a way to get him that would be fantastic and you know maybe it might be possible if the Lakers actually match the salary but it seems more likely that that would be a buyout so I mean who knows Bruce Wall's made a lot of money in his career uh you know and I mean if you were OKC and he's got what three years left at basically 40 million a year we'll call it so how much of that haircut how much of a haircut would he have to take off of that for you to just be like all right we'll buy him out and we're gonna have this dead charge on our cap for the next three years or if they wanted to stretch it for basically eternity (laughs) for seven years yeah yeah i I don't see them doing that i think it would have to be significant under 10 10 million a year yeah I, i think that would probably be enough because remember that dead money is really the only thing that's still immovable in the nba right and so i don't know how you know that kind of a thing would also get okc out of the tax which is pretty amazing, but at least in the immediate, but probably in the long term as well. But also because 
Paul, I think his contract is going to look more negative as time goes on. So then that just getting out of that 10 million looks a little bit better and it makes him harder. It would have made him harder to trade. So then the difference between being technically tradable and being actually untradable is less material, I guess you could say. So yeah, yeah, it does seem like he'll at least stick around until December 15th when, you know, more all these free agents who have signed now are eligible. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that that op- that does open up more doorways. And and also by that point, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of, of where the Thunder are and everything. And, and Chris Paul could have an understanding of, of where the other potential options are and everything. So it's it's definitely interesting. And the Thunder, technically speaking, this move doesn't get them closer to under the tax, though I think as a practical consideration it does because it clarifies where they are and where they're going if the Paul George trade did not. And if the Jeremy Grant trade did not, which I actually think was in some ways, you know, it, it was it was very clarifying in its own right. So I think the Thunder can can do what they need to. They also have this insane war chest of, of future assets. If, if they want to use some of those to deduct the tax, they can. I would still much rather them do it another way. But they're they're pretty well well positioned to pivot hard if they want to, if that's if that's what Sam Presti and ownership wants to do. And I think now the runway is far more clear than it was a week ago. Yeah, I mean, they have so many picks going forward. If they wanted to, and they've got a lot of salaries still too, if there is a disgruntled star who becomes available, who might potentially want to stay there, or maybe just the price is low enough the way it was with Paul George that you know if they wanted to just trade Steven Adams or they got Gallo or they got Schroeder you know all these big contracts that they could move Robertson who's expiring they're still going to want to try and get out of the tax this year obviously I think we'll see that happen in some form or fashion but it I'm not taking it as just like absolute gospel that they're just totally rebuilding and you know they're going to tank and just get rid of everything that's not tied down I mean they've got like not what nine extra first round picks now or something uh so that's probably enough assets going forward where you don't necessarily need to tank. I mean, part of the reason that you tank is because you just need to get shots at great draft picks yourself. And maybe none of these picks, you know, these are good teams that were trading these picks, Denver, LA, and Houston, at least for the moment, are good teams. So maybe you feel like, all right, we need to tank a little bit and at least get a few more bites of the apple, like high in the lottery for sure. So I'm not ruling that out. But they still have some pretty good players on this team, and maybe they move some of these guys and use some of those assets to pick someone up and try to still kind of be in it in the West. I mean, I don't see a path for them to get into championship contention again, and but you know, it depends whether they feel like you know they want to be a solid playoff team again. They certainly have the assets to go after someone, you know, maybe a Bradley Beal type, and they depending on, on what the market is for him, maybe at the trade deadline he, he becomes available. He would have uh, basically a year and a half left on his contract, so that could in theory be someone they would go after, and you pair him with Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander is developing and you know you could have a real team there if they hold on to Gallo as well I mean they would probably won't even be that terrible this year I mean I think they kind of look like a 500-ish team right now as you look at them so again I'm gonna have to think about this way way more and really go through these rosters before I come up with the official prediction so I don't know I I, I mean do you think there's a, a possibility they actually could like make the playoffs with this group and making the playoffs seems seems a little bit strong especially there's a lot of competition they're in the western right? conference you know if they were yeah. in the east yeah maybe they could get into but, you but, know, we could but, see some of these well, teams have injuries or well, a here, lot of it. You, or, you brought up injuries. That's the reason why I wouldn't expect it is because Chris Paul is going to miss time. Yeah. And they don't have – I mean, Shea is is a talented player. He's he's going to continue growing. I, I, I'm i not as effusive about him as, as some others are. But they're, I think they're going to need more than what they have. And, and especially if, like, Robertson isn't 100% and some of these other things, then it seems like that's a little bit much. But also I think the, the gravity is kind of pulling them the other direction. You know, if, if, if Basically, any team, if you, the way 
way that they make the playoffs is just staying way healthier than everybody else. I generally don't like putting them in that conversation, but I do agree with you that both because, I mean, I I could see Presti and the ownership being this, taking this sort of approach, but also, as you said, the war chest, like, I don't think it's this inevitable, inexorable decline into like the bottom five, six, seven of the league. It is a reasonable and possible outcome, but I don't think it's an inevitable one. Yeah. And and I mean, so there could just be some moves around the the margin. You know, Schroeder is someone who could be very available. His contract, I mean, I still think he's not even necessarily a great backup, but for for a team that needs some shot creation, the point guard market is kind of caught up to that $15 million a year contract that he has if a team evaluates him as a lower end starter, high end backup. That's not too bad of a contract anymore. I don't know if they could get something for him necessarily, but he could kind of be in demand to some degree where they could at least get off a salary something along those lines so yeah i really i mean this is quite the motley crew and you know okc other than robertson just has nobody at the three right now and they're still i mean they got gallo but they're still going to be pretty light on shooting with this group you know chris paul trying to run spread pick and roll isn't going to work that well with some of the guys they have so i'm not sure what the team is going to fall out to i mean they might end up especially with paul potentially missing time as you noted maybe not making the playoffs or, or i'm sorry not being 500 yeah i wouldn't say that they're gonna make the playoffs so yeah this is really uh an interesting group and you know i think sam presti i appreciate his commitment again i think that their future looks pretty bright now and of course we'll see what happens with all these draft picks they could miss on all of them i joked today that any wing who is athletic and long and can't shoot at all should just declare for the draft right now <laughs> no matter how old he is or or, or whatever because the thunder just have so many picks and that's always the kind of guys they draft but it's to not put a terrible team on the floor it's too bad that the westbrook era is over in okc i mean it really you know when's the next time we're gonna see a dirk Nowitzki or a kobe bryant who just spends his whole career with the team and you it's at the point now where you sign these big contracts for a designated player veteran extension and unless you are a top-end superstar throughout the entirety of that which very few guys are going to be because most of those contracts will take you to 34 35 in some of these cases that you get to where you kind of doesn't make sense for the guy to finish his career there making that much as the team falls out of contention so it could interestingly enough this these designated player veteran extensions could lead to even fewer guys finishing their careers with teams than before but that's uh it is kind of a bummer that you won't get to see westbrook i mean i'm sure he'll have his number retired there and stuff but it would have been cool if he could have just stayed there his entire career but then we wouldn't have anything to podcast about yeah and and there is something sad about that i mean if memory serves westbrook was the first player drafted by the thunder once they formally moved he didn't play in seattle unlike kevin durant memory does serve in fact yeah and so yeah and he, he won an mvp there a definitive player of this era playing with and without durant and harden so it's unfortunate and the nba's the whole premise of having a soft cap is that it allows teams to retain players but as you said there is a gravity and a reality that sets in in some of these situations just because the player is making so much and because this ties in with the whole and it, granted westbrook and harden were younger than basically any players that signed 35 percent max contracts because of the super max coming in coming in when they were grandfathered into eligibility for it but it still generally is going to is going to age out poorly and depending on how a team's going to go could lead in that direction we could see the same thing eventually with john wall though that is a, a different question due to his injuries and everything else so we got a bunch of other news to get to since uh, we last recorded but i want to tell you first uh, about helix sleep which I, i've been doing a lot of traveling recording this uh, for my last night here uh, in my vegas hotel room teaching sports business classroom today and tomorrow and then i'm heading home and i have one night on my helix sleep mattress at home tomorrow 
And then my wife and I are going on a month and a half long road trip. I'll be recording from the road, of course, but I'm only going to have one night at home on my Helix Sleep mattress. And all these hotels I've stayed at, the mattresses, very nice. I'm sure they spent a lot of money on them when i travel but it's just not as good as the helix sleep mattress because it's made for me it's customized based on their two minute sleep quiz that they have actually been a sponsor since 2015 i tried another mattress delivery company it was one size fits all they weren't any good so my wife found helix sleep we tried it they do have a hundred night return policy but we didn't even think about using that because it was made for us with that two minute sleep quiz and if you and your significant other don't actually have similar enough sleep preferences they can even split the mattress down the middle providing individual support needs for each size they also have a 10-year warranty in addition to that 100 night risk-free trial and they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it they're the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by gq and wired magazine but hey i knew about helix sleep four years before gq and wired magazine did so you should take my word for it instead helixsleep.com slash capspace is the url to get started with them and also get up to 125 dollars off of all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash capspace once again helixsleep.com slash capspace to get up to 125 dollars off your mattress order and don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us so what uh piques your fancy here on the news danny i think we should start with the change of heart for marcus morris this is a fascinating and important thing not necessarily i mean the morris part of it is important but because it's unusual to see a change of heart that had other things attached to it that cannot be undone and in this case that was san antonio and something we broke down in last episode they ended up instead of using the mid-level exception on damari carroll they traded davis bertans then structured it as a sign-in trade to get carroll that way which opened up their mid-level exception which then went to marcus morris on a two-year 20 million dollar deal now marcus that he hadn't actually signed yet that he hadn't actually signed yet and now morris is going to go to the new york knicks for reportedly one year 15 million dollars and San Antonio is going to respond by signing Trey Lyles. We don't have the terms of that as of when we're recording this, at least not that I've seen. And to me, as somebody who's not the biggest Trey Lyles believer, I think this is a pretty significant hit for San Antonio, especially because Bertans, you know, he may, I think he made more sense in their forward rotation. And even though it was a little bit overstuffed, I could kind of see where it was going. Now with Trey Lyles, I'm less enthused. Yeah, the reason, I mean, they traded a good player in Bertans. Bertans was one of the best net ratings. He might have been the best net rating on the team, was bombing it 43% for downtown. He did fall out of favor in that series against Denver. We actually thought he should have played a little bit more, maybe, perhaps. But he got into Greg Popovich's doghouse a little bit. Certainly a valuable player. Probably someone you might say is better than Lyles. We'll see how long this Lyles contract is. You know, Lyles has more ball skills. I would probably like Bertans more defensively, where I thought Lyles is pretty atrocious. And Bertans has the better record as a shooter and obviously has plenty of equity now, having been, I think, three years in San Antonio's system. So Marcus Morris and Rich Paul just fucked the Spurs, basically, is what happened here. And certainly in some of the conversations that I've been having at Summer League, there was incredulity that this was going to happen. I mean, and it's one thing if you're doing a DeAndre Jordan I mean, this to me is even more egregious than that. Yeah, okay, it's DeAndre Jordan, but who was a much bigger player than Marcus Morris at the time. But they made a trade so they could get you. As you noted, they were just going to take Damari Carroll 
into that mid-level and instead they maneuvered things around to do the sign and trade with Brooklyn and then they could open up the mid-level and bring in Morris and they also traded Bertans so it was really they kind of moved heaven and earth to get this guy who by the way didn't have any other offers at that kind of a level anywhere right I mean Rich Paul I mean I think that might be a lot of, of where this came from too is that I'm guessing Marcus Morris at some point had a bigger offer than 20 million on a one plus one and Rich Paul as he has been want to do sometimes I agreed with them like with KCP but ended up being wrong about that other times I haven't you know Nerland's Noel who was with Happy Walters at the time but it's probably no coincidence that Nerland's Noel changed agents to Rich Paul immediately after turning down Happy Walters advice to take a five-year 70 million dollar extension and obviously uh Eh, didn't look too good there for Nerlens, who is never going to recoup that $70 million, almost certainly. So there have been a, a lot of these issues here. And, and I mean, this is, you know, Rich Paul is Rich Paul. He's got AD, he's got LeBron, he's got Eric Bledsoe, he's got a lot of these clients. But to do this to a team, I mean, it's not good for your reputation. Maybe it won't end up mattering. Maybe he just has too much power and he can just do whatever he wants. And, this, you know, he's part of player empowerment. I mean, I think, you know, just in terms of it's rare that I'm going to get on my moral high horse. But, you know, I think he really what he did was unfair to the Spurs here. Generally, I have more of a real politic attitude where it's like, all right, you know, you are what you can negotiate. You are what you can do, depending on, you know, this isn't like life or death situation. It's just basketball. It's just business. So we'll see whether this ends up a. Uh, hurting in the end but yeah i mean if if rich paul and marcus morris's word i mean and this isn't like oh you know Derek fisher like i want to get let out of my contract because of like my daughter's illness or something like that i mean this is just oh there's a better offer and it's not even like it's a better offer but it's actually less money guaranteed than the spurs offered yeah over one year instead of two but it's, you know it's five million bucks more with the knicks in the first year essentially so i think a lot of this has to do with morris maybe having had some other offers earlier in free agency that he turned down and then ended up having to settle for this spurs thing which he wasn't ultimately that happy with and a way for rich paul to save some face with his client uh but you know it leaves a sour taste in your mouth here this whole thing i i would say um should we get to why it is that the knicks had this space all of a sudden to begin with yeah it's a bizarre situation it has happened before instantly i believe it's happened with the knicks before with that whole jr smith thing years and years ago but uh, devin harris is the last one i can remember where it was like i think he agreed to like a three-year nine million dollar contract and then it found out that he had i want to say it was a toe issue and they ended up just having to reduce him down to the minimum after the physical um but yeah what was the jr smith one i don't remember that one i i seem to remember it was like there was loose reporting out there that he was getting a lot more money and that it turned down i i don't remember it rigidly enough to to be sure but the devin harris one is a great example so but let's get back to the story we don't need to lose that thread reggie bullock it appears that there is something more significant we have we don't know exactly what it is yet which is interesting but yeah yeah all that's been said is there is skepticism about his ability to play a full season right so basically he would he signed one of those one plus one or sorry there would be i guess we using our terminology that would be a two minus one because the second year was a team option and the amount of that is it looks like he's going to re-sign with the knicks but it will be for a reduced amount another benefit of you know agreeing to things and then not having it formally signed so then that is what created because bullock is presumably if he returns going to return for significantly less money that is what opened the door for them to have money to give to get another power forward <laughs> yeah i mean marcus morris does maybe provide a little more defense than they had at some of these uh, positions uh, but 
yeah another kind of like iso loving gunning power forward I mean, maybe he'll end up playing some three for them but yeah i mean it's really i don't really see a great fit here i mean once again you would think that the knicks would be in better shape just going into the season with some cap space and you know even bullock signing him to a reduced deal i mean it sounds like maybe he's just going to get some of the room exception depending on you know what actually this issue is i mean maybe he just needs to have surgery or something like that uh, i mean i'm guessing he probably just failed his physical is what ended up happening here but yeah, this doesn't make a ton of sense to me i mean marcus morris you know bobby portis julius Randle. at least those guys are young enough where he's like oh there's some untapped potential here like they might outperform this i mean i guess the knicks want to be a little bit better and you know marcus morris is a good player but you're only getting the one-year deal here doing this this doesn't make a ton of sense other than just you know and morris he's, he's from philly i guess he wanted to be in new york that's part of it but yeah i don't see uh this chemistry experience experiment going that well with the knicks and especially you know you're supposed to be developing kevin knox and like you know this is a knox is kind of a combo forward too and and it just a lot of this doesn't make a, a ton of sense also worth noting that the Knicks have increased their cap space in a move first popularized by the Miami Heat in the summer of 2017. Uh, the Nets also did this uh, to some extent, where basically, and we'll talk more about that in a second, but they use unlikely incentives and i think the lakers did this too although the exact numbers for a lot of these contracts haven't come out yet but they used unlikely incentives to basically boost the amount of cap room that they could use so there's a couple of rules in play here one an unlikely incentive can be up to 15 percent of your contract and basically the rule is it's considered unlikely if you didn't reach it last year or the team didn't reach it last year if it's a team-based incentive and if you're creative you can the knicks only won 17 games last year so you could just say hey they're uh unlikely incentive win 18 games and then that is considered unlikely why have an unlikely incentive here because of what you're doing when you're signing these players and the effect that it has once someone is actually on their books so the rule is that you have to have enough cap room to include all of the unlikely incentives in a contract at the moment the player is signed right so if i have 20 million in cap room and i have a contract that has three million dollars in unlikely incentives and 17 million base salary actually that's not quite legal because it's only 15 percent. but but anyway it's 18 million in in base salary and 2 million in unlikely incentives i gotta have 20 million in space to sign that contract however once i have signed that contract it goes down to the amount of the base salary minus the unlikely incentives and it includes any likely incentives so you'll you need 20 million dollars in cap room to sign the guy to this contract but once he actually signs then the number goes down to 18 million and now you can fit more guys in again so that's what the knicks have been doing that's what the nets did uh with Kyrie irving specifically he's got a bunch of interesting incentives and it looks like what the lakers were doing as well so when you're signing multiple guys into your cap space this is a way to actually effectively get yourself two three million dollars more in space i mean basically up to 15 percent of the amount of space that you have so it's a uh, good tool that the heat came up with in 2017 by it was there's a little bit controversial based on the reading of the cba but as of now it's legal i would expect them to close that loophole in the next cba but for now any team that has cap space and is signing multiple players would be smart to take advantage of this uh, if in fact the player and agent cooperate do you want to go to brooklyn and talk about the Kyrie just crazy the crazy amount of incentives in his contract yeah i mean we don't have to list all of them uh but there there are quite a few of them and kd who didn't need to actually take any incentives 
did have a, has a million dollar incentive per year as well i think the best explanation i can come up with for why that was done is just for solidarity with Kyrie because he was the one who had to do it to fit into the space so they could also sign deandre jordan and d'angelo russell before they did the double sign and trade uh with russell and kd durant's are a little bit more straightforward making the playoffs winning 43 or more games playing in at least 50 regular season games or making the all-star team so he'll probably get that even if he doesn't play at all because it's if any one of those four things occurred it but it doesn't matter that his are considered likely which they would be because the nets made the playoffs last year um and Kyrie just has a ton of interesting ones the ones i probably like the best out of these i haven't ever really sat down and be like okay if i were doing some incentives what are the ones that i would do to make it so that player and team incentives align the most i mean probably what i would base it on is just you know playoff stuff like winning winning rounds in the playoffs uh but then also there's like points per 100 possessions when you're on the floor offensively and defensively you know i think those are about as close as you can get to really aligning incentives with the team because even if you have like regular season wins it might be better for the team if the guy takes a couple of games off if you're trying to get into the playoffs but he would hurt his incentive there so there's there's a lot of unintended consequences with those uh also of note here reporting from brian windhorse that it was actually kevin durant and his camp that demanded that the warriors include a pick as part of that signing trade he was not interested number one in being traded straight up for d'angelo russell who he justifiably thinks he might be a little bit better than uh and number two why not just get your new team an asset but with that pick being top 20 protected and then becoming a 2026 second rounder it's not going to hurt the warriors too badly it's only one year of top 20 protection so it's not going to hurt them really for stepian rule reasons either um and the warriors still i think the other pick that they owe is 2024 so they will be able to trade some other first round picks here in the future that they owe that other pick from iguodala and you know that's interesting i mean windhorse had a great column today and we've talked about it too of don't get in a situation where you have these deals that get public and you have to unload space right then right we saw the kings back in 2015 that crazy trade where they unloaded the space for like rondo and marco bellinelli like those that trade where you're making a clear space on july 1 eh, usually doesn't work out that well uh and we saw that become an issue here with the warriors as well trying to clear space with the suns as well they just even to clear like two million bucks get off of josh jackson they had to give up what may become two second round picks there as well i mean the harkless trade is another great example of that oh yeah yeah the heat yeah that's a great i mean yeah so three of those that were just they were over a barrel and i mean yeah butler had already agreed and everyone knew the heat had to do it and so yeah that's that's a great point there we can briefly run through a couple other things following up on something we talked about in the last episode it appears that dallas has chosen what tim mcmahon called door number two which is basically that they signed their players to contracts and will keep the remaining part of they stayed over the cap to sign their guys curry with the mid-level part of the mid-level boban marjanovic with part of the biannual and they lose the flexibility of cap space you know in structuring the moves that way but they retain flexibility by still having a portion of the harrison barnes trade exception the portion that was not used in the Darrell Wright trade and the benefit there is just that they get a longer time to use it basically they can run through that until let's call it next year's trade deadline and that's nice you know they could they could get somebody with that through a trade theoretically through another sign-in trade and it makes sense considering not only the amount of time but also the lack of really suitable talent on the market left i mean the 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 market is pretty dry now in terms of free agents that they might as well just do that get your guys paid settle everything up 
Yeah, Mark Cuban also noting that the Mavericks will certainly load manage Kristaps Porzingis in his first year back from an ACL tear. And it does seem to be trending, especially with the perhaps an underwhelming offseason, that the Mavs may not be quite ready to make the push into playoff position quite yet. We'll see how good Kristaps and Luka are, but it's looking like they may need to just get more internal improvement over these next couple of years to get there because they're not really slated to have significant space next year either there's also talk that they're trying to trade courtney lee and a second rounder for andre guadala that might help them get a little better but andre guadala is not known for his effort in the regular season at this age and i don't blame him so i'm sure iguodala will be rooting for a buyout from memphis but there may in fact be a chance uh, to recoup uh, some assets uh, for iguodala which again would throw into stark relief uh, the pressure that the warriors put themselves under by uh, with that russell trade and you know maybe it'll he'll work out and these kind of smaller asset moves on the margin won't matter also the warriors gave up 3.5 million dollars to get off of travion graham and shaz napier both of whom i thought were actually like value contracts but they still had to pay that money to move to the wolves and now napier is actually going to be their backup point guard in minnesota and the warriors are out of cash because they also uh, had to give up two million to memphis in the equidala trade they were not able to get off of sean livingston they had to stretch him as well so they're going in now i haven't run the new numbers here see if i can get those for you right now depending on where willie collie stein comes in he was reported as a two-year 4.4 million dollar deal with a, a second year player option they are so close to the hard cap but probably less than a hundred thousand dollars below the hard cap and they have 14 players on the roster and they have no cash to get off of guys they've given up a bunch of second rounders as well so uh yeah they've, and they've got five players at the start of the year who contributed in an nba rotation last year and they've got three rookies drafted 28 or later it's uh not gonna be a lot of depth for the warriors this year it's looking like no it's not going to be and uh, i want to pivot to an- another really genuinely fascinating contract and that's we wondered where things were going with Kelly Oubre because the Suns made the moves in order to retain his cap hold and Oubre a talented player who had you know really found maximized not maximized but done well with the opportunity presented in Phoenix didn't really have that much of a market because of the where that went uh, he he is having a more traditional restricted free agency story and he ended up signing with Phoenix on a two-year, $30 million deal. So it is more money than I expected per season, but also a significantly shorter contract. So that means Ubre he'll have full bird rights and all that, but he will have a big cap hold. But he's also going to hit unrestricted free agency at a very young age. Yeah, at age 25, John Gambadora was talking on Twitter in a Q&A last night that the Suns were kind of more thinking in the 12 to $14 million range for a longer-term deal. And this appears to be a compromise there. And the Suns weren't looking at significant space next summer anyway if they retained Ubre, they're down probably around 15 million or so including the cap hold of dario sharich as a restricted free agent they could get up to 25 million if they were to renounce him so that might be enough for them to, to make a one relatively significant signing there in orlando kem birch using the room below the tax that was opened up when orlando stretched timofey mozgov is returning on a two-year six million dollar deal uh, birch at age 26 
this offseason. Restricted free agent. Most of the space that had dried up. I think he's a, a good player. Things turned around when he got in the rotation last year. So that's a, a good piece of business for the Magic to get him, you know, especially for more of an athletic type center. 26 to 28. That's pretty close to, to Birch's prime. Uh, so good job uh, by the Magic there playing the restricted free agent game. That's a totally fair contract uh, for a backup center uh, who is a quality player. But again, that's uh, the lesson there that you know you can get that backup center for uh, that type of a range, especially as a restricted free agent. Uh, where do you want to go next? Minnesota elected not to match on Tyus Jones, which means that Memphis has their backup point guard of the future. It doesn't look like he's their starting point guard of the future because that's John Morant, obviously, but Jones will be an interesting fit. We talked a lot about that because you and I both expected Minnesota not to match. Woj mentioned 2020 max space as being a part of the reason for it. That is entirely a possibility. It's also... They, they just Is it? How? Well, no, just the, just the idea of having flexibility, more so than max space. They don't, you know, with Wiggins, I mean, if they trade Andrew Wiggins and yeah. for an expiring contract, but more the idea that flexibility, that's the way I interpreted it. It wasn't max space. Yeah. It was just having the ability to not just be hamstrung as severely as they would have been yeah and to have Shaz Napier at 1.8 million for this year as a totally fine backup point guard option you know allowed them to not match that on Jones just for the record next summer they project to have only 10 million in space if they're able to get off of Gorgie Jang his 17 million maybe they could get pretty close to that zero to six year max but with Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins both making a cool 29 million tough to get a ton of flexibility there I misspoke the other day when I said that Darren Ehrman is still in New Orleans. Bizdalek actually will be replacing him. Uh, Ehrman uh, was not retained by New Orleans. In Milwaukee, uh, John Luer, as we said, was basically going to happen back on July 1st. He was waived and stretched. That enabled Milwaukee to fit in George Hill, but they were unable to acquire a trade exception for Malcolm Brogdon because they couldn't figure out a way to keep his cap hold on the books and still bring back George Hill. A little disappointing pointing because all they would have needed to keep on the books was 1.6 million the minimum basically uh assuming Brogdon agreed which he, he would have because it was a sign and trade and so if they could have just reduced the payout by George Hill and Brooke Lopez by 720,000 that would have enabled them to have a 10 million dollar trade player exception for Brogdon going out Brogdon was base years so they wouldn't have, only would have gotten half of what his starting salary was but I'm guessing Milwaukee not necessarily looking to take on salary anyway during the season nice to have that trade exception but paying their guys more now means that they can't take on that salary but they probably wouldn't have been looking to do that anyway what else we got here the toronto raptors are signing ronde hollis jefferson and is on a, a one-year deal with them I'm not exactly sure how he's going to fit into their rotation because part of what we what's been coming up from this is from Josh Lundberg that Masai Ujiri that the intention at least as of right now is to keep all those vets for this year Abaka Kyle Lowry and then Marcus Sol who opted in to to his player option those guys will all expire at the end of the 1920 season so harder to see a, a clear path for Rondé but a talented player and somebody who could potentially I expect to be a part of their rotation. Yeah, with Stanley Johnson, they're loading up on some lottery tickets on the wing. They got OG Ananobi there, of course, as well. And the, the caveat there that they're not necessarily going to move them before the season. I think they're going to take a look at what this team could be. And, you know, you could make an argument that they could be as high as the third seed in the East, depending on how things turn out in Washington uh John Simmons finally was waived he actually moved his guarantee date back to July 8th maybe just to facilitate some potential machinations in which he would have had more of his salary guaranteed but 
that I don't believe ended up being the case. I think he just got his $1 million guaranteed. And, you know, since he projects as a minimum signing anyway, I don't think he gave up a ton by waiting. The Clippers, in addition to Ty Wallace being waived, who was claimed by Minnesota, they waived Sandarius Thornwall. I actually like Thornwall a lot. I think he, he struggled as a defender early in his rookie season when he actually had to play a lot, but came around. I thought he was really, a, when he had the chance to play on a deep Clippers team, really was a positive asset defensively and has some pretty good toughness. I mean, he's not a great athlete offensively, but if he could hit some shots and he's physical, uh, you know, he hasn't shot it incredibly well, but a guy who I think would have been worth a lottery ticket the Clippers probably feel that they could just could have done better with that roster spot but I, I would have claimed Thornwell if uh, I had the ability to do so I think he's another one of these lottery tickets uh, on the wing who you know has it has some chance uh, of working out um league-wide news oh one more uh the Celtics got the worst of the Nets and Knicks second rounders in the Kemba Walker Terry Rozier sign and trade Celtics didn't really get anything out of getting Walker in the sign and trade they're kind of just doing a solid for Terry Rozier they the Celtics had to use cap space to acquire Walker anyway and well, Adam Silver had a wait, press wait, conference before that yeah, we, did we talk about Kyrie or, sorry Kawhi getting the two plus one because that's somewhat important oh yeah no I forgot to write that down yeah yeah so sorry. Kawhi that's we huge. knew he was yeah, signing a contract that. the preliminary expectation was that it was going to be a three plus one meaning three years with a fourth year player option instead it is a a two plus one and the reason this makes sense it was something that you and i had talked about going back to what the contract he could have signed with the toronto raptors the reason why it's a two plus one is because then Kawhi will be able to sign the 35 percent max instead of the smaller 30 percent max by virtue of having 10 seasons of experience this is the analog to kevin durant signing a structure and there have been a few other players i think that have done this to make sure that they were free agent when they could get the 10-year max and Kawhi famously gave up the possibility of getting that 35% max ahead of time by making his way out of San Antonio because they were the only team that could have offered it before he completed his 10th season. Yeah, via that uh, super max extension. And this also matches Kawhi up with Paul George's timeline. They have both become free agents at the same time. So yeah, the Clippers, uh, they gave up a lot to get these two guys and there is a possibility they could only have control of them for two years if things uh, go awry a little bit. Who knows? I mean, that's but that's uh, the new NBA and they will be championship contenders most likely in these next two years. So to put that team together, you got to go for it, especially because uh, there was the worry that Kawhi might have ended up in L.A. Uh, Adam Silver with the press conference talking about some changes to free agency. Most of what he was talking about was changes with the moratorium and tampering with how basically everything was announced like before free agency even officially opened as far as meetings and whatnot. Uh, and I think this is something that Windhorst talked about on a pod with Woj that you know, I think it would make sense to allow tampering, quote unquote, or just talking about a new contract with a player once his own season has concluded that to me would make the most sense uh to allow those legal discussions once you're not interfering with a, a team's season that's in progress and the guy is guaranteed to be a free agent now you might say if a guy is under contract with like a player option or something then maybe there's a gray area there but uh i think that's probably the simplest way to do it because obviously there are going to be these discussions people talk about how these are all done at the combine and and I think we can just we can talk more about these rule changes, especially if we find out whether the take file is going to be implemented as well uh, on tomorrow's program, because uh, I know you have to go. What are your uh, travel plans the next week or so here? 
Oh, it's going to be awesome. So I'm actually in Aspen right now, and I'm going to be here for another couple days, then taking the train to Salt Lake City, then driving to Yellowstone, Grand Teton, Dinosaur National Monument. So it's going to be, that's the next week and a half. Yeah, Yellowstone is awesome. I haven't been there in a long time, actually, but it's uh, that's, a, that's a must get to. And I will be starting my road trip with my wife as well. We're going to be leaving Saturday morning, driving up the coast to uh, Portland and Vancouver. We're going to spend some time on uh, Vancouver Island, then Banff in Lake Louise across Canada back home to Chicago for a little bit then back into Canada I will of course uh, be keeping you guys updated at the end so the people who are bored by my personal life and just want to hear about basketball can just turn it off and uh, if you're interested we'll be posting some photos on uh, Instagram Nate B. Duncan there if you care to follow me not much basketball content there but uh, if you want to see some cat photos and some vacation photos uh, it's a lot better than when your relatives sit you down and force you to watch like a two hour slideshow of their vacation it's totally voluntary but uh, if you're interested in that stuff give me a follow at uh, nate b duncan and that is it i want to remind you to subscribe to the athletic where you can read danny's forthcoming piece uh, about the westbrook trade and you can read a ton of awesome writers they also have a great podcast as well that are subscription only with the count the dings crew ethan strauss's house of strauss podcast which i go on every once in a while but is well worth listening to when i'm not there is uh, one of the highlights you can save 40 percent off a yearly subscription 2.99 per month with that yearly subscription at theathletic.com slash cap space don't forget that slash cap space url let them know that you came from us at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.